Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Woven Together podcast. This is episode number 13. If you've been following along, last week we spoke about focus in marriage and getting our focus back in the right place in marriage because a focus is good, but it's not always, you know, our focus is always good. To have focus is good. To have it in the wrong place can be terribly bad. So uh, this week, in episode 13, I am Sean Wigley, by the way, if it's your first episode, and this is my beautiful wife, Dawn Wigley. Hello. And we are so glad you're here today, excited about this topic, uh, and kind of the false narrative. Today, the title of the show is called To Love or Not to Love, and uh, we're going to get into that and some false narratives. We believe even the play on words of, oh, I've fallen into love, or I've fallen out of love, or maybe we've just grown apart. We hear that a lot. In, in marriage counseling, different things. Oh, we just, you know, I don't know if we love each other anymore. And, and, and uh, kind of the false narrative that gives it, it's almost like when that's said, it kind of gives us an out. And so we want to explore some of that today. Uh, first, I want to get into some of the lies that people believe when they think they're falling out of love. I want to say when they think they're falling out of love. Uh, <clears throat> here's the first one. It says, uh, we're just, we're just growing apart. We've just, we've just, you know, we've been together a while and we've just grown apart. We've just kind of gone separate ways. Uh, next, nothing is as it was. It's not the same. It's just not the same. Uh, next, when anger, jealousy, and endless arguments seem to dominate your marriage, you just kind of get that feeling. Maybe we're not in love anymore. Uh, when my spouse doesn't pay attention to me. My spouse is not paying attention to me. I'm not getting what I need. I feel like we're falling out of love. Maybe we're just growing apart. Um, I cannot see myself with this person in the future. I just can't see myself with them in the future. Uh, next, relationship. Maybe our relationship has just fallen into a routine. There's no spice anymore. There's nothing exciting. It's just the same old, same old. That uh, can be one lie where... We think, man, I'm just falling out of love because it's just a routine. We'll talk about that. You'll get into that in here in a minute. Um, there's no more making love. You know, sex is gone. There's, we just don't enjoy it. It's just not, it's not a normal part of our married life. And now we're going to touch on that. Uh, we're going to talk about that even in our upcoming union conference, which we'll talk about here at the end of the podcast. Um, our conversations are withering. I, I hear this a lot, mainly from women, like our conversations, like I have conversations, you know, my husband don't want to talk to me anymore. He doesn't want to engage with me in conversations. He, he doesn't take the time to hear me. And so those are a few of the things we're going to talk about today um, on, and lies that kind of you deal with sometimes when you think you're falling out of love. So babe, why don't you just uh, dive into that subject? Well, you know, and you're talking about all those lies that people think that uh, that they believe that they think. You know, people are just going to do what they want to do, and then they're going to find a reason to do it. That's true. And those who claim to believe the Bible will find a biblical reason to do it by taking Scripture out of context, which is why it is important that we keep our focus, which is what we talked about in the last episode. You know, so our focus is really important, what we are focusing on. Amen. And uh, staying in love is not the first thing to staying married. It's about covenant keeping, promise keeping. We need to be men and women of our word. 
a man and woman who keeps the vows to be committed for better or for worse. Amen. That's why we say it, right? Yes. And a man and woman of character. <clears throat> and that's what it's about. It's almost silly or ridiculous to think that we experience being in love the same for the entire marriage, just like the way that we felt at the beginning of that relationship. It's going to change. And, and, you know, that's a saying that uh, reminds me of what Pastor Dale would always say, change is here to stay. Life happens. Truth. Things change, and it is naive and immature to think that staying married is mainly about staying in love. There are going to be hardships in your marriage. Marriage is the hardest relationship to stay in, and the one that promises glorious, unique, durable joy for those who have the character to keep their covenant. Oh, that's good, babe. And the first part of Hebrews 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Marriage is not to be taken lightly. That's the truth. It is to be held in honor. We, we've gotten a long way from that, babe. We, people don't honor marriage because they don't know what it is. And the reason we're doing this podcast, our passion, our heart is, is because we've struggled in marriage, mm -hmm. not knowing what it was, having to have people help us walk through that and getting a right understanding. When your expectation is off in marriage, then your fulfillment is off. If I'm desiring the wrong thing, then that desire is not met, then I feel unfulfilled. But if I know right expectation going in, just like you said, we honor marriage because we know it's a sacred and holy union. I don't know what you said exactly, but you said it's the hardest thing we do, but it's what God, what, what did you say in there? Can you read that one again? You said it's the hardest relationship to stay in, but yes. one that promises glorious, unique and durable joy for those who have character to keep that covenant. Man, you should write that down. That is absolutely spot on truth. That is spot on truth. And you know, God offers to husbands and wives the highest possible significance for their marriage relationship by showing them what its greatest and most glorious meaning is. And that is the replication in the world of the covenant relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. Amen. And there is no higher, more glorious, more significant conception of marriage than the one that Paul portrays in Ephesians 5. And I just encourage you to read that whole chapter, but because I'm not going to read that all right now. But I do re recommend you to just go back and read that all of Ephesians 5. But I will read uh, verses 1 and 2, and it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant Oof. offering and sacrifice to God. Man, that's good. That is good, babe. I love, you know, what I love about that scripture. It's, it says, follow God's example. Mm -hmm. So we're, we, how do we know what marriage is? We follow God's example. He's given us the example of what it means to be married as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. If we walk in Christ's love in our marriage, guaranteed, there's going to be so much more opportunity for healing and growth than there is conflict and arguing and, 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 and regret. Yeah. Um, as, as he, he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It 
our sacrifice in marriage is like a fragrant aroma to God because when we deny ourselves as a husband, my call in marriage is to lay myself down for you as Christ. I give myself up for you as Christ gave himself up for the church. So we're representing as a husband. It is literally my place and it should be my honor to lay down my life for you and for our kids. What does that mean? doesn't mean that I sure dying. I think most men don't have a problem dying for their family. It's the, the problem that I see in most marriages is they have a problem living while dead in their, in their marriages. In other words, dying to self and living for the marriage is a much harder prospect than the act of just dying for your spouse or for your kids. Yeah. To me, that's ingrained in most men that we're the protectors. We would gladly step up and die for you. But the greater love letter and fragrance in marriage is that we die to ourselves and live for the marriage. You know, marriage is a parable of the greatest, strongest, deepest, sweetest, richest relationship in the universe. That, like what we were talking about in that scripture, that blood-bought union between Christ, the Son of God, and His bride, the church. And that's the significance of marriage right there, just uh, in that, those couple of verses. But if you even go on to reading more in that Ephesians 5, it, it explains it even more. And so that's why I recommend you all go back and uh, read that whole chapter. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, excuse me, the union between a man and a woman isn't theirs to break. They didn't create it. They can't break it. Jesus said in Mark 10, 9, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. It's another sign of the man-centeredness and contemporary self-centeredness of Christianity that a young couple would have the mindset that they created the union called marriage. God breaks it with death. Or like this quote that I read says, you are free to break your uh, your marriage covenant when Christ breaks his covenant with his bride. Hey. And with that being said, in case any of you are confused, <laughs> Christ will not break his covenant with his bride. You know, when you say that, we do all this counseling and I've had people call me, well, they did this and they did that. And, you know, I just told them this or I told them that or I don't know that, you know, we're not supposed to be together anymore because I just can't do this anymore. And, and my response is always, well, here's the problem. You remember those marriage counseling sessions we went through? And that's why I don't marry anybody anymore unless they've gone through our marriage counseling because I don't want to join two people together with false expectation. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to join them together with false understanding of God's expectation. You said it. You're free to quit on your covenant when God quits on his. Mm -hmm. He's not going to quit on it. A covenant, and this goes so counterculture, so counter the mindset of today. And I want to get on into that here in a minute on the fall, the whole falling in love narrative. Um, our culture says that I do something because it benefits me and I do something because I enjoy it. But God says we do something. So a, a covenant, we come together that you, you mentioned it earlier. I'm, I'm, when we joined hands and we looked into each other's eyes and we were so mesmerized by 
you know, I was like, man, you're so beautiful. And I'm going to get to, you know, live with this person. And we're going to go on this honeymoon. We're going to have all this stuff. That's where my mind was. But what God was doing in us in that moment was we were saying things to each other. We didn't even know we were going to have to walk and live out. Like, I choose you above all others. Above all others. So if I've chosen you before God above anybody else, who could I quit you for to go to anyone else when I've already chosen you above all others? Mm -hmm. That I choose to be with you in sickness and in health, in poverty or in wealth, right? right. For, for in, in good times, in bad times. It covers it. Why, the reason that the marriage vows are, should be so sacred and that we honor those things and we come together and we have a pastor stand there. He's representing God's commission over this marriage that it represent his love for the bride of Christ to the world. Mm -hmm. And so we get together because of, <clears throat> I'll get into that here in just a second, but so we get together for that and then we get a few years down the road and it's like, well, you know, it doesn't feel the same. And so I'm ready to get out because they no longer think everything I do is cute or they, they're not so attracted to me. I mean, I'm still attracted to you. I think you're attracted to me, but we don't wake up every day. I don't just go, oh, babe, I'm just uh, mesmerized. But you know what I'm saying? It's gotten deeper than that. Yes, you're a beautiful woman, but what, what, what motivates me to stay uh, engaged in our marriage is the, the, the depth of your soul, the, the beautiful spirit that you have to pray for our children, that you've loved me when I did it wrong, that even in the things that you discovered after we were married, you know, I told you what I thought I was before we were married, <laughs> but what I was telling you was my highlights. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like my Facebook page or my Instagram. <laughs> uh, people always give you the highlights. I like it when people get on and share their failures or their struggles because that's the meat of the message. And so you got to hear my highlight story when we were dating. But when we got married, you got to walk out my fails, my fears, my, my, my shortcomings, the things that I wasn't good at that maybe we hadn't even thought about. But then you're like, wow, you are really not good at, uh, I gave the example before, uh, we're sitting in the, in the parking lot of, I think it was a Taco Bell. And you looked at the, the check thing. I don't know, something we had bounced a couple checks and you said, Hey, did you, <laughs> did you check on the ledger? Like, did you balance a checkbook? And cause something's wrong here. What happened? We have, it's saying we have two overdrawn checks. And I was like, what are you talking about? And, and then we had the whole long discussion of why we balanced the checkbook and I'd been single. So, you know, I always had money in there. I just bought whatever I wanted. We got married and all these bills came up that I, I didn't even pay attention to. And then we lived together and we had a house. And so it wasn't the same. And I was acting the same way. And you realized right away, this guy is not good at finances. Mm -hmm. And so that's an area where you had to love me. Now, your love right there said, give me that checkbook. You're no longer allowed to write checks. You're on a cash basis only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and some people would say, oh, well, that's, that's control. Or, no, what it was is you looking out for us. Maybe not looking out for me, but you were looking out for us. Because the truth is, I was wasting our money by bouncing checks. And I have had to get better at that. And now I am better. 
at, at first of all, I don't spend near as much money and I, I still like to buy things. You know that. So you have to put the brakes on me, but I'm also very generous. So there was a place where you had to go, well, what do you mean we're going to give all that? And, and, and it was hard for you because you're such a numbers person and, and you're, you're financially driven that you had to kind of work through that process. And I had to kind of go, Hey, but we're going to be generous because our faith is not in our finances. It's in our God. And so we both had to mesh there, but those are just two examples of things that we didn't really have a full grasp of when we first said, I do, but those are the things we agreed to walk out as they came along. And so falling in love, I, I read this in uh, uh, focus on the family was talking about the, the three things uh, it was a study that they did, and it says that you do three things uh, when you, f- quote, unquote, fall into love. And I hate that word because you don't, it's not an accident. It doesn't accidentally happen. It's a series of choices that you agree to or disagree with that takes you in love or out of love. But the first would be you're, 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 you move from a place of independence. When I met you, I was very independent. I'd been on my own, didn't have any women, you know, really. I mean, I wasn't dating for years. I didn't date for almost six years before we got married. And so I was very good at being alone. Like I was very good at independence. Mm-hmm. But when you move into, when you begin to move into a, engage in a love relationship, you have to move from independence to dependence or, no, or interdependence, sorry. Dependence is not good. If I'm, and, and, and that was what caused me a lot of heartache early in my, in my dating and all that is I would become dependent on people. And in other words, well, I need this person for me to be okay. And as you grow, and that's what really God did in me in those years before we got married of not dating as he made me independent so that I could learn to be interdependent. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand what that means, it means that I, I love Dawn. I love you. And I, I definitely count on you for a lot of things, but if say, uh, something happened to you or, or you fell out of love with me and you walked away or, or whatever happened that God wants me to know that my trust is in him. I have, I can be interdependent. In other words, I'm interdependent on you with, with you in certain things. But if you fail or fall, I can still stand. And that is important in every marriage to know who you are. You must know who your father is. When you know who your father is, I'm, I'm talking about your heavenly father. So if you're born and you go, well, I didn't know, ever know who my dad was, then get a hold of your heavenly father. Because when you look into his eyes, most of your questions are answered. There's a lot of things I don't do well, but I don't have an insecurity about it because I just know God created me with a purpose on purpose for a destiny and a calling. And even to function in this marriage, I know there's things that I bring to the table and things that I lack. And that interdependence, God brought you into the same marriage, but he equipped you and gifted you with other strengths and abilities that help us be interdependent. And we're better together than we are apart. When she's, I mean, apart, you, you had things going on in your life that weren't good. Apart, I did too. But when we've come together, we've both gotten stronger and we are definitely better together. Hallelujah. Um, So we move from uh, independence to interdependence. And then the next thing, you know, attraction. When did we, when we met, uh, I'd already kind of known who you were, but when we met, 
uh, I was like, hey, you know, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'd kind of gone, and, and to be honest, I wasn't because I just finally gotten kind of content and happy with being single. And you were like, hey, I'm not looking to date either. And so we kind of agreed to go out with, with your friend and my friend that happened to be dating. And we just said, well, we'll go hang out. But then when we got together, we were immediately attracted to each other. And, and, uh, I mean, there was just, we had chemistry, we had fireworks, we had all that. So, I mean, I could tell you were just madly in love with me. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. I guys, I'll just be honest. She was really into me. So, <laughs> but, but that, so the attraction started it. I saw you, you saw me, but immediately what was crazy to me about our relationship, we liked, we, we did, we were attracted to each other. Yeah. Um, but it, it quickly moved from that to the second level, which is acceptance. We started to talk. We went to a movie that night. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time we went to hang out, it wasn't a date because we weren't even dating, but we went to a movie and our friends were sitting there and they were kind of irritated because the whole movie we weren't even watching it. We were just talking and we just had this conversation that we just started, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm thinking this and God's doing this in me. And you'd be like, oh, well, which is crazy because you don't talk that much. Mm -hmm. And so people were like, oh, sure. She but to me that night, you and I were having this dialogue back and forth and we weren't even really engaged in in conversation with the people that were in the booth with us yeah. and I thought man you know the first thought I remember thinking is this chick is cool like I I enjoy talking to her it's not just that you're beautiful you're a beautiful lady um all, all that stuff has been nice I mean I love the way you look but what took me to a deeper place is I I got to know you and that attraction went to acceptance not of what you look like but who you were mm -hmm. like, like your, your, your goals in life and things that you were moving on to. And you're like, Hey, I'm leaving this part of my life behind. I've been doing this and this. And man, I just said, God, I want to do that. I want to move into this place. And I was like, man, that's it. It just kind of went right along with me and where I was at. And so we moved from that. And then ultimately we moved to fulfillment where we agreed to spend our lives together. Yeah. And that all happened in a period of just a few months, but I believe it happened that way because we were both seeking God before we got together. And so when we got together, we, we, we were able to go through those processes because I believe God brought us to a place. And I don't by any means think this, that you were the only person I could have been married and be happy with. Right. Neither do I think that I'm the only person you could be married and be happy with. I think you could marry any one of probably thousands of men and be happy with them and have a, a great relationship. It wouldn't be this relationship, but I think it would be a good godly relationship. If both of you were committed the, the, the way we are, I think it would work. I don't think that I'm special in the sense that I'm a unicorn and that, that you and I were only created for each other. But I do believe this. We fell in love because we both found a place of attraction first, agreement second, that we agreed with our life goals and that ultimately we're like, but we want to do this God's way. And so we came into that fulfillment place of standing before God through the form of a pastor in a church going, we want God to be involved in this marriage. We got counseling. We tried, we both, we both went in and did some counseling to, to get rid of some stuff that was in our past. that was hurts and all kinds of things that had come up and we didn't want to go into our marriage with a bunch of baggage. Right. So we tried to deal with those things and there still was things that came up, but, but God walked us through that. Yeah. And, um, so the narrative of falling in love, I remember distinctly you and I having conversations 
about every phase of that falling in love process. In other words, the feelings were there right away. You agree with that? Like the, <laughs> the feelings were there, excuse me. The feelings were there almost immediately attraction wise. So what most people call love, we had that the first night. Yeah. But what I thought was special about our relationship is that we made choices to move this thing forward and to do it God's way. And, and I was like, Hey, you know, and in past relationships, I've made mistakes in this physically and all that. And we're like, we're not doing that. So we just tried to, in, in all of the ways that we could honor God, it didn't mean we were perfect by any means. What it meant was our heart was to do it the right way. And so we made several choices that facilitated that experience pre-marriage that I think helped even get us off on a better foot, which thank God we did that because our first year was still hell on earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we say all this stuff and then our first year we had to walk out the vows that we had just committed to. And one thing I think that you said, and, and, and I agreed to it, that we were never going to mention divorce. We learned that in, in one of our lessons. You say, we're not going to say divorce. We're not going to talk about it. So the, the first year of our marriage, when everything felt like we were falling out of love, what was really happening was those chemicals that are in your brain. And some people don't know this, but when you start to date someone, uh, right at first, there's these wonderful giddy feelings and those come over you. It's it. That is literally a chemical that is released in your brain that use, that helps you bond to someone. That's why I, and we talk about all the time. We really, when we tell our kids, it is imperative that you limit the number of people you date. We don't really encourage dating. We encourage courting, like not, not getting engaging in any kind of relationship past friends. If you're not considering marrying that person mm -hmm. because you, you develop that, that chemical comes out in your brain. And a lot of people are become addicted to dating and not addicted to love, not addicted to covenant relationship. Mm -hmm. What happens is over time, those chemicals, they die down and you come back into your right mind. You ever been around couples and they're just dating and, and, and you've been married a while and you're just like, Oh, these people are making me nauseous because everything the other one does is cute. And they, you know, they kind of get into all that. Well, here's, here's the thing with falling in love. You're not falling in love. You are just using the chemicals that God developed your brain to release, to help you bond physically mm -hmm. so that your soul, your mind, will, and emotions comes together. But what God does when we, when we, when we consecrate a marriage by having sex, then we, we bond ourselves together, body, soul, and spirit. And so those chemicals over time become less and less. Why? Because God's design for marriage is not that we just are happy to be together, but that we go through and we start to develop a deeper level of relationship than feelings based relationship will ever take you. Mm -hmm. And so that's the difference in covenant and, and just being in quote unquote love. And so we want to explore that. We're going to do that in the union conference. And then I want to just touch base before we, before we wrap this up on falling out of love, because this is a narrative I hear all the time that we've just grown apart. We've fallen out of love. And how do you do that? You do it the same way that you fall in love. If it's, it's resignation, that's the first thing. So I'm the relationship fulfills no one, but it continues 
because of some external glue like children, maybe religious beliefs. We're just staying together because God says so. It, should you stay together in that time? Sure. Yes, because it's covenant. But you are selling yourself short if you only stay married because of kids or because of a religious belief. Uh, we don't stay together because God says it's a good idea or because because we made a covenant. Yes, ultimately, that's what gets us to the other side. But we stay together because of the fulfillment we find in the endurance of persevering through the hard times and getting to even better times, deeper times, where you and I have had conversations where we're like, man, you just get it. And we've we've overcome. We've fought obstacles together. We've had to deal with trouble with our children together. We've had to deal with trouble in our marriage together. We've had to endure outside attacks from other people that, that maybe don't agree with what we're doing or what, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that fire has literally bonded us together on such a deeper level than just, uh, just the, oh, we're going to stay together because we're not going to mention divorce or because it's a covenant or because we have four kids together. Um, and so I think you, you, you kind of resign yourself to, well, we're just together. You kind of quit on the reason you're in it. So maybe your body's there, but you resign yourself to just being emotionally absent. Terrible idea. Infidelity. We see that a lot. Well, we can't stay married because my spouse cheated on me. Is that, is that, first of all, I want to say if your spouse cheating on you, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have major issues with that or that there's not even a reason to take a break. The Bible says, the Bible says, that you should not get divorced except for the case of infidelity. So it does leave room for you to get divorced. Right. But, but just like Jesus said, he said, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they said we could divorce. And Jesus said, God did that for you because of the hardness of your heart. In other words, that's not God's best. Okay, God can restore marriage. I have seen some of the strongest and best marriages I know of have had infidelity in the marriage and what they did is they persevered and they asked God to come in and heal things they couldn't heal on their own. And now you're looking 10, 20, 30 years into this thing and I see their marriages transforming lives, ministering to people, helping other people walk through those situations where they go, well, we love each other, but this happened and I don't know if I can get over that. And, and nowadays, um, I just think, I think, and, and it said this in the study that more people are getting out and citing the, the reason for their divorce is not infidelity. They're, they're being able to work past that more often now than they used to because of, I think we're getting better at, uh, well, <laughs> because so much of it has happened. We've learned to work through that. But now the, one of the number one reasons people get divorced is because they're falling out of love. And so the, the, the last thing is divorce frustration. This is what it leads to with the other partner leads to anger, resentment, withdrawal. The spouse decides that he or she would be better out, better off out of the relationship than in it, despite any negative consequences that they may uh, incur or occur because of the divorce. If you have children, I wouldn't say you stay together because you have children, but I would say this, the false narrative that says, I have fallen out of love because my spouse either committed adultery or the false narrative that my spouse no longer engages me or our conversations aren't good. I just don't feel like I felt when we were first together. 
I just want to talk to you for a second. If you're feeling those things, it is not to drive you to a place of divorce. It is a wake-up call to drive you to the feet of Jesus, to ask him to, to inspect your own heart and your life, to see what it is that God is asking you to do in your marriage relationship to ignite that fire and, and keep those things going. We just went camping recently and our kids, they hadn't been camping since they were young. I, I, I forgot we'd been so involved in sports that we hadn't gone camping. And so we camping and I was teaching them how to build a fire. And we started with really small, thin sticks and, and a source. I believe that source in marriage is God that we take those little logs that they just stay lit for like an hour and it makes starting a fire easy. But you know, those logs will start a fire, but they won't keep the fire going. And if, if you were to go into the tent for like an hour or be gone somewhere doing something and come back and go, well, where is the fire? And I just said, well, you know, I started it and then I guess it just decided to not burn anymore. You would look at me like I'm nuts. You would go, that doesn't even make sense. And the reality is this is what we do in marriage. We go, well, there's no fire in my marriage. But every fire I've ever started as a campfire, it stayed lit as long as I kept feeding it wood. As long as I kept feeding the fire, it kept burning. But what we don't understand about marriage is when you fall into love or you get in love through all those choices, attraction, all that, there's that feeling. That's the igniting passion that God gets to start the, the marriage process going and the relationship, the drawing together. But just like a campfire, if we want to keep the fire, we have to feed it. And, and it's not, you know, everybody loves to start a fire because it initially the warmth and all is fun, but to keep it going requires going out, chopping wood, finding stuff that's, that's dry enough to burn. In other words, it doesn't just happen. It's work. Yeah. And that's what the, the keeping fire in your marriage. We've been married 18 years. We've slept in the same bed for 18 years but there's still passion and fire in our marriage because we've adapted and we've kept the fire burning. We throw more logs on there. I know you've adapted. You've gone, we've had conversations. Well, what do you, you what do you like? You know, I, well, I wish you did this. And so you don't do it because you want to do, like, it's not, I'll say this guys, if you want to have a passionate relationship in the bedroom, you have to learn to stoke the fires of the campfire that keep that passion burning in your spouse and, and likewise, and you could speak to this, I have seen Dawn do things in our marriage to ignite my passion, to keep my passion going for her. She doesn't do it because it's what she needs. She's done it for me because it's what I need. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, when you do something for me that I know it doesn't really matter to you, like there are things that I go, man, that, that really makes me feel like you love me. Then you do it and I go, dude, this is, you threw a log on my fire. And when I burn, I burn for you because you're the one stoking the fire. And so I, I just want to encourage people today. We look at that and we go, well, there's no fire in our marriage. We must be falling out of love. No, you just stop doing the work it takes to keep the fire burning. Mm -hmm. And the last thought I'd like to leave you with today is I've gotten into since this pandemic hit, we can't really play sports, can't do all that stuff. So we got into... 
motorcycle riding. And so uh, we're, we're out doing all this dirt, dirt bike riding, and man, I'm, I'm loving it. But what, I, and, and, and I've been looking at getting me a bike. I got, we got the boys' bikes. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, hey, babe, I need a bike because, you know, we can't all three ride. And, and, and I'm a very relational person. I want us to enjoy these things all together. I'm passionate about the moments, you know, that being together and the, but anyway, so I'm looking at all these different bikes and I'm like, what's the best bike to get for this and this and this. And you know what I read that I thought was really interesting. And right when I read it, God said, that's exactly how it is in marriage. And so I was reading this, which bike is the best? What can I ride that will help me be the best bike rider I can be? And I got to this one that's no nonsense. They're not sponsored. They're not, they just talk about things you need to know if you're going to pursue this sport. And he said, you know, people worry about, well, this, should I get this year or net last year's or this year? Should I ride this bike or this brand or this? Across the board of most of these major brands, there's such a little difference in the bikes, like their ability in the bikes. They're all good. He said it's 80% rider and 20% the vehicle. And let me just say this to you. No matter who you're married to today, it is 80% you and 20% the one you're married to. If you want to have, in other words, what I love about that is I control more. I have a, a, a controlling interest in how good my marriage can be. Doesn't mean your spouse can't respond, but I know this. If I'm 80%, if I am maximizing, so I'm 100% giving my abilities in this marriage as a husband to this marriage. Not one time have you not responded with everything that I needed. Like, man, you're responding to that and our marriage has been great. When our marriage struggles is when I forget my duty in marriage and I blame the vehicle instead of my ownership of what I need to know as a participant in this marriage, that there is a room for me to grow, that I can continue to hone my skills as a husband, as a father, and, and definitely as someone who's called to represent God's love for the church. So we're going to wrap this up today. Baby, have any closing thoughts? You just want to? Um, just, you know, like I was, uh, had stated before, just remembering the significance of your marriage and how it, um, God's example is how he loved us and gave himself up. So just to remind, keep that on your mind, you know, and that, um, the quote again, you are free to break your marriage covenant when Christ breaks his covenant with his bride. Amen. So. You're in it. You're in it to win it. We believe you're in it for the long haul because covenant is not just a temporary thing. It's eternity that's calling to us. And we look forward to seeing you guys. Uh, I mentioned it before. We're going to have a union conference. It is our marriage conference. We do once a year. It's an annual thing now. And it will be on July 30th, 31st, and August 1st. Uh, I, I believe it starts at 630 at night. You can get on the uh, website, uh, gatewaychurchroswell.com. And, and get tickets, get signed up for that. Uh, you can also call into the office and they'll sign you up and you can come in and pay. It's $40 a couple and that'll get you a couple t-shirts, which we're so excited about. That will also get you in, get you, uh, we're going to have games, we're going to have incredible speakers. We're going to be talking about the whole, the whole uh, kind of, I don't say our, our go-to, what would you call it? Uh, our theme, our theme for this year is <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't think of it. Is false narratives. And boy, let me tell you something. 
in this day and age, the number one thing that will get you is believing something false like it is true and trying to live from a false sense of reality. So in marriage, we want to uh, tackle some of those tougher topics. And then the last night, we're going to have a panel of a bunch of people that we believe are, are have godly marriages. And we're going to answer questions that come in anonymously through an app. We'll, 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 we'll get you to download while you're here. And uh, you can ask any question you want. It'll all be anonymous. And we will hit those tough hitting questions and see what God has to say about that. So if you like what you're hearing, we sure enjoyed having you. Please like and subscribe, make comments, and we will see you again next week. God bless you guys.